Hey guys, before we get into the show today, let me remind you that you need to check out that Bill Simmons podcast. Yesterday's episode featured ideas on revamping the NBA playoffs and Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey. Also, Jordan LeBron week is going on the ringer.com, including Zach Cram's statistical comparison of the two players. Now, time for the show. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from the Ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Bomber, aka Kevin O'Concert, aka Kevin O'Comment, aka Kevin O'Conflict. Kevin! What up, Vernon? What's going Kevin, on? Kevin, uh, All Star Weekend, Kevin, which of course was in Los Angeles, your new home. Mm. Your favorite thing about All Star Weekend is you were there covering it throughout the weekend. Just seeing people from around the league, you know, they have this media hospitality thing with food and a lot of people take advantage of the open bar. And it's just nice seeing media members from across the country and around the world, for that matter, coming to one city to watch basketball. I mean, that's a really cool thing. All right. Give me two people you are most excited to meet. Media wise, oh, media wise, I was gonna yes. say, oh, I was hoping to meet Michael Jordan. Or- no, <laughs> <laughs> media wise, who were you excited to meet that you had not met before? Um, I don't know, no name comes to mind to be honest with you. Really, there's no. nobody that you are like you've always been a fan of or whatever else. Usually, the ones that I'm like starstruck by because I now that I've worked in sport for a long time, it's usually either rock stars or actors, mm-hmm. and obviously, like the guys that were big when I was a kid. Like there was one time I was at a game and I turned around in the hallway and right behind me was Larry Bird. And that was shocking. Okay. Right. Because I just wasn't prepared for it. I was not prepared for it was a Pacers game. The Pacers were in town, but I didn't know that he traveled with the team regularly or I, I never even considered he'd be there. Right. I think I have my answer now, Chris. Okay. My, my answer came to mind. What's really most exciting is meeting new people, like people that you didn't know that you'd meet. Like I met Mark Deeks, who's been on a lot of great cap stuff online, a lot of oh, sure. analysis online. And I did a video with him and Max Whittle. They're both from England. Like I, I wouldn't have met them had there it not been an all-star weekend. You know, meeting new people, whether it's some Lakers writers that I hadn't met before. That's cool. It's always nice meeting new people and having new experiences. I'll give you one other one, too, that just so happened. And it was not at the All-Star game. It just happened to be in Memphis, weirdly, like two weeks ago, right before the All-Star break. I was walking down to the court, and I was in the tunnel. And this guy stops me, and he's like, look behind you. I turned around. I swear, Kevin, right behind me was Drake. Like, literally right behind me. And I'm like, what in the hell is Drake doing here? Yeah. And he was in town filming a video. Yeah. He was he's in town filming a video, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is bizarre. That and is funny. I was a little starstruck by that, right? Because, I mean, it was just so shocking. I think Drake's dad is from Memphis. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah, he's yeah. A oh, Listen, yeah. where I am recording this with you right now, like, a half a mile from here, you could you could go to the bar and see him tonight. Okay. <laughs> he's just hanging out. <laughs> like he's just around. <laughs> he's just around. <laughs> oh, but yeah, no, That's and he's funny. got a lot of family here also. Anyways, in terms of like the conversations that people were having the most at 
also, Rick, was it about the teams? Was it about, you know, what about the Warriors and the Rockets? Or was it about the new look Cavaliers? Like when people, like when you got into NBA conversations, what ended up coming up the most? I think a lot of the conversations, at least with media people that, that I was having, were based on like what was actually happening at the weekend. People want to know where all the parties are at. <laughs> um, to be honest, <laughs> totally honest with you, like that's what people are wondering. What's going on after tonight? Why the hell um, are they asking you? <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah. the last person uh, on earth I that asked. Let me go find Rachel Nichols and ask her. It's, it's true. I am the last person to ask. Like I, I didn't like I didn't know some of these parties that were happening. I did go to Jimmy Goldstein's house, though, Chris. No, yeah, I did. How dare you? You were uh, yeah. at Club James. Uh, yeah, I walked through Club James to to go find the bathroom, but I didn't hang around the club. I hung around the tennis court. <laughs> oh, for goodness' sakes! Listen, obviously, we went and did the podcast there last year. The yes. most spectacular place on earth. Oh my goodness. It's something else. So basically, uh, let me explain for the listeners. So one of my friends, Jared Weiss, a Celtics writer, got the invite for the party and, and he had got me a plus one. And basically like you show up at the house and you get a check in and then like these white and black vans come pick you up <laughs> and they pack in like 12 people into a van and they drive you up the hills to Jimmy Goldstein's house and you arrive there, you got your wristband on, you're able to go in and you can go to club James or to the tennis court. And yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating place. That's for damn sure. Who was the most famous person you saw there? Um, it's where Rihanna had her birthday party for God's sake. I don't know if I saw a famous person there. I mean, uh, Brian Scalabrini hung out with him. There's a lot of Instagram models there. And, you know, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't know if that counts as famous, but I tell you, well, yeah. no, when you say you drive up the hills, I actually know what you're talking about. Yeah. Tommy Alter from the ringer who produces a lot of these major stars that end up on Bill's podcast. Me, Tommy and Tate Frazier went up there and we got lost like three times trying to get to that house. Tommy Alter's the, like probably the unsung hero of the ringer. Oh, most connected for sure. All right, so you met Mark Deeks. You went to Jimmy Goldstein's house. Right. It sounds like you had a good weekend yeah, it overall. Was cool. It was a fun weekend. I had a good time, Chris. I wish you were there, man. I really do. Oh, I, I'm sure you did. No, I, it, it would have been awesome to chill with you at Jimmy Goldstein's. What an experience. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me ask you about one of the big stories that broke. Uh, before we get into our news of the day, uh, there is a new news of the day as of yes. recording. Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN reported story on ESPN. Charlotte owner Michael Jordan on the cusp of front office changes, letting go GM Rich Cho and pursuing Mitch Kupchak oh for a significant role with assistant GM Buzz Peterson. And if I'm not mistaken, I covered Buzz Peterson when he was the head coach at Tennessee. And if I'm not mistaken, Buzz was college roommates with Jordan at North Carolina. And so that's why I didn't even realize the assistant GM there. Um, because that when I when I first read that name I was like what so that is yeah. uh, they've been they've been friends for a long long time but anyway the idea is that he would be blowing out Rich Cho and bringing in Mitch Kupchak what do you think so this has been brewing for a while right I think about maybe three weeks ago or a month ago I kind of first heard that you know Rich Cho could really be in the hot seat based on you know where Charlotte was and some of the decisions that were made and. I texted somebody, an executive, a couple of weeks back, and I said, "Yeah, I'm here. you know, Rich Cho's in the hot seat. You know, you know, what do you think's going to happen?" He's like, "I don't know, but Mitch Kupchak's not the answer." That was his response, and I was thinking, "Mitch Kupchak's not the answer." So I looked into that a little bit and didn't honestly haven't heard much else about Kupchak being connected with Jordan, but 
here we are. Michael Jordan, apparently, you know, looking to replace him with Mitch Kupchak, which is interesting. Obviously, he didn't have significant success in, in his latter years with the Lakers. There, there was that stuff uh, last year that came out saying he was the only GM in the league who doesn't tamper. <laughs> um, you can't blame him necessarily. I mean, Rich has made some good decisions over the years, but if they want to move on, they want to move on. Well, here's the thing. Kemba was kind of coming into his own a couple of years ago, and it looked to me as if that they were like kind of onto something that maybe that they would be heading in yes. the right direction. Mm -hmm. And I do wonder if I wonder if the Dwight Howard thing was a colossal mistake. You know what I mean? And maybe we're putting things on Dwight that shouldn't be on Dwight. But you want to know the real colossal mistake? What? It was Donovan Mitchell because he was on their radar. Mitchell was on their radar last year's draft. From what I heard, a couple teams in that range, I heard the Knicks liked Mitchell, I heard the Hornets liked Mitchell, and I heard the Pistons liked Mitchell. It's interesting because don't you, I mean, if we go back, and obviously that's not that long ago, yeah. if we go back, people thought they got a steal in, in Monk. Monk. Yes, and maybe they did. I mean, it's so yeah. early in his career, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, with Monk, from what I heard again, you know, uh, prior to the deadline, is that I heard he was somebody that they were listening to offers for already, you know, hmm. halfway his rookie season. Like I heard some noise that the Knicks were going for him prior to the deadline. It's odd that maybe they've soured on him quickly, whereas Mitchell obviously is just blossoming into one of really the league's most popular young players, right? Right. I mean, he was on their radar. From what I heard was that Michael Jordan liked him a lot. And ultimately, they landed with Malik Monk, which was a great draft pick. You know, at the time, a lot of people loved it. He was considered a steal, as you said, but it hasn't worked out. Well, well how many times have we talked about this, though? There is no final analysis yes, that can be exactly. done. Yeah. We have no idea what Malik Monk's career is going to be. He, he just turned 20 on February 4th. Just turned 20. He's still young. Really young. Wow. Yeah. You know, Charlotte very well may miss the playoffs, and they now have a payroll, according to the story, that ranks 10th in the NBA mm. and already have a projected payroll of $119 million for next year with every player under contract except for Michael Carter-Williams and Travion Graham. So they are... They're not in a good spot salary cap wise, right? Typically, if you are, if you're a team right now that's going to miss the playoffs, then you at least want to have some level of flexibility to correct this. And obviously, Mitch Kupchak and whoever is going to be in charge there is going to want to correct it. But when you've got that much money already on the books, it's going to take a lot of moving and shaking to fix the thing. Oh, and by the way, mm -hmm. sorry, but I just Googled Monk and I guess he was in a car accident early Sunday morning, and he was oh, no. cited by the police for careless driving. According to police documents obtained by TMZ Sports, Monk was driving near the University of Arkansas around 5.46 a.m. when his 2002 Lexus ran off the road and crashed into a gate. All right, two things. A, got to imagine, probably not his car if it's an O2 Lexus. Number two, <laughs> interesting that he's around the University of Arkansas because in this part of the South, that was a massive, massive controversy. He was ticketed to go play for Mike Anderson at Arkansas forever mm -hmm. in everybody's mind. He was the great player out of Arkansas. And when he chose Kentucky, he went through hell and back, yeah. having to live and play in that state for his senior year. Because let's just say Arkansas fans were not necessarily pleased with Malik Monk. 
And it's interesting now, you fast forward, and it says he was near the University of Arkansas. I can't imagine he is the most popular of characters around there, but what do I know? Mm. And things had not gone all that well for Mike Anderson. It was going to be a big deal for him to go there. I hope it works out for Monk. I do, Whether it's in Charlotte somewhere else. Yeah. So anyways, Rich Cho probably out. Mitch Kupchak. Boy, it's always nice to get new blood back into the NBA. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Great opportunity for a guy that's been really at it for the last 10, 15 years. Now he's getting his first opportunity. Oh, it's not his first opportunity. No, it's not exactly his first opportunity. And it's interesting that Michael Jordan is in the news for something other than Jordan versus LeBron, but it is Jordan versus LeBron week at the Ringers, so there's been a bunch of content about that. Obviously, it came up again this weekend because with the All-Star game, the highly competitive All-Star game, LeBron James won the MVP of the game. So now he goes into a class with Jordan as the only guy with three finals MVPs, three regular season MVPs, and three All-Star MVPs. It's just another one of those, you know, resume builders. And then people line it up against Jordan and they say, is it possible for LeBron to surpass Jordan, right? (laughs) This is going to be interesting because you and I have not spoken about this before we came on. And I am of the opinion that the hay is in the barn on this and that the answer is no. Now, am I being the old fogey that is hanging on to my favorite player growing up or at least the most famous player of my youth? Because now we, you and I are, are, are an age gap difference where you didn't grow up with Jordan. You grew up with LeBron, yes. right? Yep. And so, obviously, and there will come a time where you are hanging on to LeBron, like people of my era <laughs> hang on to Jordan. But I've always looked at it as when Michael Jordan was doing what he was doing, he kept so many guys, almost that entire era, except for those two years he went away and the Rockets won. He kept that whole era from winning. And in the 90s, More teams had 50 and 60 wins than any other decade. He was constantly beating his competition. Now, this is not, it shouldn't necessarily be a demerit on uh, on LeBron. You have to beat whoever you have to beat. But when I look at the teams that Jordan had to beat consistently in order to achieve what he did versus the teams that LeBron did, especially in the Eastern Conference, one guy had it harder than the other one. I don't think there's any debate about that. The one guy had it harder than the other one. And then he went to the final six times and he won six MVPs and he didn't even ever, he didn't, like, nobody could even force a game seven against the guy. So once you're, once you're six rings, six finals MVPs, I mean, you're the best guy on a finals team that was beating 50 and 60 win teams in order to achieve it. That's almost an impossible mark to attain. This is a weird analogy I'm about to make, but okay. the way I look at it is someone my age, I'm 27. You're right. I didn't grow up with Michael Jordan. The way I look at it is this. I remember once I was asked how I felt about a music artist, and I had maybe only heard one or two songs by that artist, and I didn't like those two songs. And they asked whether I liked that artist. And my answer at the time was, no, I don't like them. But when I was 16 and gave that response, I thought that was unfair. I realize now it was unfair because you really need to listen to the whole album or their entire discography to really understand whether you like something or dislike it or whether you think it's great or you think it's bad. And with Michael Jordan, I can watch the YouTube highlights. You know, I can watch as many games as I want, but I'm only getting a taste mm-hmm. of what the actual experience was. So... I always have a hard time in these debates because 
I don't think it's fair for me to say, you know, definitively that LeBron is the greatest player of all time when I never experienced Michael Jordan in full. And that's complicated because a lot of people didn't see Bill Russell. They didn't see Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They, they didn't see Larry Bird. Or they didn't see Magic Johnson, right? They didn't see these other great players. I mean, like, the further you go back. But that's just the way I feel about it. I, I don't know if there's a real answer. I just don't. Yeah, well, and in the absence of being able to do it, yes, right? In, exactly. the, in the absence of being able to do it, because you could right now, there could be somebody that says, I'm lining up all the stats of Mike Trout and Willie Mays. Yes. But if you never saw it, right? Like all you have for Willie Mays is the video of the catch. Maybe so, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. You might, you might have some other highlights that you can watch, but in terms of like watching that player day in and day out or regularly even. Yes. Watching that player, in the absence of that, you're going by their resume, you're going by the numbers that they put up. And uh, to me, it was always like, and again, this might just be nostalgia, but I always thought, and frankly, he always did, that Michael Jordan was going to win. I always thought, and it's interesting, John Gonzalez wrote a really good article on The Ringer about, he went and interviewed Brendan Haywood, who is one of the very few, there's only four guys interestingly enough, that played with both of the players in their career. And I think it was Haywood, uh, he mentioned Haywood, Larry Hughes, Stackhouse, and there was one other guy. Scott Williams? Yeah, yeah, that's who it was. Scott Williams. And so anyways, he's kind of telling stories about those two guys, and then you get this impression as you're reading it, and you hear this from a lot of people that played with with Michael, which is they are wired differently in the sense that the only thing on earth that matters to Michael Jordan is winning and ripping your heart out. <laughs> like, that's it. That's just yeah. how he's wired. And no matter what you are doing, he refuses to lose. And there is more of a, I don't want, I mean, it's hard to say passive nature, but that's true, Right. Like LeBron, like LeBron can go home and it's okay. And he's not going to be angry and he's not going to be mad if like, I don't want to say it won't be angry or whatever, but like I, LeBron could lose a game of ping pong and not fight you over it. Whereas mm. like if, if Michael Jordan played you in ping pong, you would play ping pong until three <laughs> o'clock in the morning until he beat you. So it's part of like your argument in favor of Jordan is like the narrative of it, right? Like the story. Well, I think it's true. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's got this killer instinct that that maybe LeBron does not have. And I feel like I want the killer. You know what I mean? Mm. I want the killer. I also look at the teams they beat. I mean, Le listen, like LeBron, LeBron went to Miami. And people, you know, that, that Dallas team was not better than them. And he lost that finals, right? And he beat the Celtics at the end of the, you know, the big three thing. And, and they were already banged up. But, I mean, who's the best? Like, I mean, I guess the 60-win Hawks, you know, the Pacers had a team. The early Pistons was probably the best one, like the 06-07 Pistons. So part of your argument against LeBron, this is a part that, you know, yeah. I think is almost very fair to look at because, you know, you look at the Heat's first championship. They beat a young, not-ready Oklahoma City Thunder, right? Yeah. You know, then they beat the Spurs in that epic seven-game series. That was That's probably LeBron's best championship with the Heat. I, I would you fair. agree? Yeah. And then they obviously they lost the Spurs in five games the next year. Back to Cleveland. The like but, but, but hey, that Spurs absolutely demolished. Yes. I mean demolished. Yes, demolished them. Yep. In five. Yeah. 
I think when you look at LeBron James, and again, like I don't feel strongly that he's the GOAT. He's the, he's certainly the greatest of my generation, and I think he has the chance to become the GOAT because here's, here's where I come from. We're discussing this right now when LeBron James, at age 33, mm-hmm. is still in the middle of his prime or maybe like right at the tail, the start of the tail end of it. He's not done yet. Like, oh, I know. Like, like I know. We, we're going to be debating this assuming he stays healthy into the next decade. Well, that is what, uh, unfortunately, it is kind of one of the annoying things that comes up, which is I recall there was at one point a couple of years ago, right, when he had, when they had beaten the Warriors, right? And people were saying that they would like make these graphics and they would say at age 31, look at these accomplishments, right? Yeah, like, like through a certain age. Yeah, yeah. They, they would say at age 31, look at what he's done and look at what Jordan had done at this point, right? What they failed to mention is that Jordan had done it in nine years, where LeBron did it in 13 years. You know, like all those accomplishments were done in sure, nine years. Because he came into the league much earlier as a high school player. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I but look, here, we had a discussion in the Ringer's offices recently. It was, I believe it was me, Isaac Lee, producer, Sean Yu with the video team, Patrick Mel Downey, social media team. I believe it was us four in the room. And we were talking about just this exact topic right here. What one of them brought up is the longevity does matter with LeBron. You can use longevity against him when it comes to those statistical arguments like, oh, he had more years by that age. Of course, he has better numbers. But you can also twist it the other way. Yes, exactly. He had more time in the NBA and he's played more years. He didn't take years off. Like the same topic with Michael Jordan versus LeBron James can be twisted (laughs) depending however you want to have it fit your argument. Yeah, that's fair. When I said the hay is in the barn, you can't go back and redo what took place earlier, right, with the finals losses. You can't. Like, that that can't be redone. If we're talking narrative, though, I mean, you're talking about how Jordan's this killer on the court. He walked away from the game twice. LeBron LeBron never has. And that's part of the narrative, you know, for me, because I can't speak on the experience of watching Jordan every single week Every single year going to the finals, I can't speak on that because I didn't, I didn't experience that. But what I, but what I can see is that he walked away from the game twice. Okay. All right, now I'll twist that into my yes, I, exactly. I, okay. Here, this is how I twist that. Yeah. Imagine anyone walking away for two years, coming back and being the freaking best guy. <laughs> exactly. Like that's impossible. Yeah, exactly. It would be impossible to come back. Like you would just say, "Hey, yeah. you know what? I'm not gonna play for two yeah. years." And then you come back and you're in the best league in the world. That's loaded. And you're immediately the best guy again and start winning titles and finals MVPs. And, and, and like, the, you don't, nobody does that. Yeah. And, and he came back like towards the end of the regular season. He was immediately scoring like 28 points per game. <laughs> I mean, like after two years, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I, and, two years of playing baseball. Well, the other thing, and, and this is not fair to, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess we, we'll never know. But Jordan beat 760 win teams to do what he did. You know what I mean? When you think about these teams... To go like, through through the playoffs and in the finals, you mean? Who do you think is the best team LeBron ever went through? On his side. I mean, Golden State. No, no, no. On his oh, okay. side. On the East. Uh, yeah, yeah, when I you mean, think of yeah, the I mean, other that, greatest... Who is the other greatest player in the Eastern Conference during his prime? I, mean, I don't know. Paul George's team? Maybe even like a Paul Pierce. that like Before he was with Miami. I'm talking like that Celtics 08. That 06, 07. Yeah, 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 07, 08, that that year. Okay. I mean, that's part of the argument against LeBron, and that's why, for me, I'm not ready to say LeBron's the GOAT. 
I mean, he's the best player I've seen, but I'm only 27 years old. I don't have, I haven't been able to experience a lot else, you know, prior to this century. But I think that's where for LeBron, if his mission is to become the GOAT or whether it's not, whether it is, I think where, what can lead him to that is going to a Western Conference team because then the argument now that people can fairly use against him is you beat like old ass Celtics teams, you beat, you know, a Pacers team that wasn't actually really that great, you know, you you beat Knicks teams, you beat Bulls without Derrick Rose. Like that's the argument against him now. But if you go to the Western Conference, the strongest conference with Golden State as strong as they are, with Houston rolling with that core. Minnesota on the rise, Oklahoma City with Mm -hmm. Westbrook, the Spurs still being the Spurs to an extent. If you go to the West and get through that conference with the Lakers or or whatever team and you put an end to the Warriors dynasty that everybody says it's inevitable that they're going to win the next three titles. Everybody says they're going to dominate the league and it's pointless. If you put an end to that, that's how I think you can become the GOAT. Even the people that grew up with Michael Jordan. If you do that, I think there's an absolute chance that he can become the GOAT. And that's why, for me, like there's more to lose if you go to the West, but there's way more to gain. In terms of the ones that he has won, I'd say probably that 06-07 Pistons, which everybody it stands out to everybody in the conference finals. Yes, and that then, was a great, really good team. And yeah. then probably the 10-11 Celtics. I mean, that was the end of the Celtics thing, but, I mean, that was a, right, that was the shortened season. Yeah, and what was that? That was that was the conference finals. That was a uh, eleven eleven twelve season, I think it was. That's Con- what I mean. Yeah, eleven. Yeah, yeah, conference finals. Yep. Yeah, that was a hell of a series. Right. So I mean that, but that's probably what you're talking about. And then yes. I mean, listen, there's nothing you could do about that, right? It is the conference of that you course, were in. Yeah, no doubt. Look, he doesn't control what other teams are doing, right? But it's part of the argument. Well, that, and that's a weird thing, right? Because we sit there and go, you know, I think for an entire decade we go. Yeah, well, the reason so-and-so doesn't have a title is because of Michael Jordan. Yes, but also the reason why teams don't get to the finals is because of LeBron James. Those pretty good Raptors teams, you know? So who do you say that about? Is there a player that you sit there and go, here's the Easter Conference player, and you go, yeah, well, he would have won if he didn't have LeBron in his conference. I don't know. Not within his own conference, no. I don't think there is. I mean, we did that with all-time greats. And maybe at the end, when it's all said and done, we will look at these guys like we do. John Stockton and Carl Malone and Charles Barkley and whoever you want to mention, right? All kinds of great players throughout their careers. Like legitimate Hall of Famers that are left without a ring. And the reason they don't have a ring is because Michael Jordan was in the NBA. If LeBron goes west, Chris... Mm-hmm. And let's say, you know, he brings the Lakers back to their their glory days, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's say the Lakers are in titles again, you know, and they're winning championships. Let's let's say LeBron goes to the Lakers for four years and he wins two titles. Where would that put him for you? Who is he doing it with? Let's just say Paul George. And, let, he's, let, st- and he's still the best guy? Yeah, he's still the for best. For sure, let, let's right? Say, let's You're say, saying within the next two years or whatever. Yes, let's say Paul George and LeBron go there, Lonzo's there, Brandon Ingram, mm-hmm, you know, a bunch right. of veterans on league minimum contracts. Let's right. just say that's the team. Yeah. I, I don't think that team's better than the team he's probably got right now, honestly. I don't know. I really don't. I don't know. I think he might stay. Something that's interesting to me within this conversation is he gets knocked a lot for losing in the finals, right? So I, I wonder for him, 
how much of a factor is it really to get to the finals every year unless it's with a team that you think actually has a chance to win it? Because what if it's actually a disadvantage being in the weaker Eastern Conference and getting plowed every year in the finals? I'm not sure that him and Paul George and some guys, I'm not sure that's going to be better than the, even the Rockets, much less the, the Warriors, you know? Mm. Honestly. Maybe not. Maybe it is, though. I think you have to consider the rate of improvement that happens from Ingram, Lonzo, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, some of the young guys on that roster moving forward. I mean, that's that's honestly the most interesting part of this to me. We're talking about this right now. Mm -hmm. LeBron's 33, and he could have seven damn years left, or more for that matter, if he stays healthy. I mean, we could literally be recording the same exact podcast in 2025 saying, is LeBron better than Michael Jordan? It's like, well, the last seven years when he went to the Western Conference Finals, he didn't make it four times. That's going to be used against him. I mean, I mean, or he could have only won one title. I don't know, man. Like, it's impossible to predict what's going to happen. But I just think for LeBron, the best thing that he can do, if it's a if it's actually a personal goal, which I think it absolutely is, to become the greatest of all time, is go West. I don't yeah. understand all everybody who's like, oh, it's a harder path. Yes, it's a harder path. That's the whole point. I don't know. We could have the argument in years. There's no way around that, right? We, we could have the could. argument in years. But what I will say is every time you thought Michael Jordan was the best guy and that he was going to win, <laughs> and every single time he delivered. For every sure. time. Every time he got there, he delivered. Mm. He even playing a damn game seven, for God's sakes. Like every time. That will never change. That one's set. You know what I mean? For the end of time, LeBron's, his resume can change still. And as you said, maybe he can go somewhere and he can defeat the best of the best somewhere. But like, I don't know that you can't ever change the Jordan thing, which was he's the best player in the world. And he delivered like the best player in the world every friggin' time. I just want to also say this. I say it all the time on Twitter, but, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. was my favorite baseball player growing up. And, you know, at 29, 30 years old, looked looked like he was going to easily become maybe the greatest baseball player ever. He looked like he was going to break Hank Aaron's home run record and also just be one of the greatest five-tool players ever. And then injury suddenly derailed his career, and he was never the same through his 30s. So I say it all the time, but, Please don't take LeBron James for granted. It feels like it's going to last forever, and sometimes it does with some of the great athletes we have playing into their late 30s and even their early 40s like Tom Brady, but it doesn't always last forever. So I think every game that dude plays, enjoy the hell out of it because he's remarkable. The fascinating one to me, Kevin, is the, you know, we spend so much time, and I get it, right? That's what the week is on the ringer with the whole Jordan versus LeBron. Yeah. (laughs) The whole idea is, is he solidly number two? That's to me, the great question, because you're knocking down, you know, all kinds of guys, is the inference that he is solidly number two right now, because that's that's kind of how it feels. So, in other words, is he ahead of Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? How about, how about this? How about this? We even do a more contemporary. Is his career a, a greater career than Tim Duncan's? I mean, Duncan, as I've said many times, he is our Kareem, which is like this insanely accomplished, amazing player who will forever be underrated because they're not highlight guys. They're not dunk guys. I mean, big men are boring. Kareem was dominant for like 20 years. Right, for sure. (laughs) I remember remember one time, the first time I ever interviewed the great Bill Walton, he went on this like long rant. I'm sure that is shocking to you. But he went on this long rant, and for whatever reason, this is burned in my memory, and he said... And never forget, Chris, 
Magic never won a thing without Kareem. And I was like, what? Like, I, it wasn't even, it was like a non sequitur. I, I mean, as you can imagine with Bill. That like, was a you know, really, really strong impression. You like that? Can you just, can you just talk like Bill Walton for the next <laughs> five <laughs> minutes? Just the next five minutes. Hey, I had one that he said the other day. I, I, I have been going crazy watching him uh, do these college games and these NBA games. Like, I cannot love it more. I know, what was too. the one? There was one the other night. And it was on, I want to say it was like House of Highlights or something. And it was the game right before the All-Star break where Damian Lillard had the 40-something and Durant had like the 50-something in the game. Do you remember that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, Okay, this is right before the All-Star break. At Portland won. And then everybody was saying, right, everybody was talking about what's wrong with Golden State? Are they going to be fine after the break? And whatever, whatever. But there was like this House of Highlights and they were showing Damian Lillard highlights on there. And it wasn't even like... It's like they were showing the highlight, but you could hear the announcers in the background as the highlight's going on. And Damian Lillard is doing these spectacular things. And this is what you hear. You hear Bill Walton say, I hate flopping. Please come to play ball, not abuse the laws of human decency. (laughs) (laughs) Abuse the laws of human decency. So he said, during the course of the game, I wrote it down. I put it in my, my iPhone on my notes. I was cackling, man. <laughs> Abuse the laws of human decency. So he said. Oh <laughs> but anyway, that's always stood out to me when you mentioned the Kareem thing that he said to me that never oh forget God. magic never won a thing without Kareem. Because Bill Walton is the big, like, you know, he is going to defend the big man forever. I enjoyed when Doris Burke was talking about Kevin Durant's guard handles. Yeah. And Bill Walton says it's like Steve Jobs. <laughs> I have no idea what he was talking about. It's, it's amazing. All right, we'll get right back to it. But first, a word from SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're catching your favorite musician on tour, shopping for the perfect gift, or searching for last-minute deals to see your favorite teams, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and just with a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I actually just use SeatGeek to buy tickets to a concert. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare the prices and find amazing deals. And you get the most bang for your buck. SeatGeek grades every ticket based on the value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports to concerts to comedy to theater. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off the first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code RINGERNBA today. That's promo code RINGERNBA for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, right seat, right now, right from your phone. Show is also brought to you by Just for Men. For over 30 years, men have trusted Just for Men to provide easy gray care solutions. Now they can trust Just for Men to provide a hair regrowth solution as well. Formulated with the number one dermatologist recommended ingredient proven to regrow hair, 5% minoxidil. Hair regrowth from Just For Men is an easy-to-use topical solution that's clinically proven to help regrow hair. It works by reactivating hair follicles to stimulate regrowth. 
perfect for men with thinning hair. Plus, with a unique precision spray applicator, this is hair regrowth made easy. Simply spray in, sit back, move on. Because when you look as good as you feel on the inside, every date night, every meeting, every guy's night out will be something to look forward to. Start winning over thinning. Look for one and three month supplies of hair regrowth in the shave aisle. Or visit jfmgrowhair.com and use the promo code REGROWTH25 to get 25% off your purchase. That's jfmgrowhair.com and use the promo code REGROWTH25 for 25% off. And now back to the show. Real quickly, we do need to talk about post-All-Star break. Our boy Donovan Mitchell, what an all-star break for him. Hell yeah. Heading into the All-Star break, the Utah Jazz were absolutely insane. They had won 11 games in a row leading into the All-Star break. I do think that Utah is going to end up there in the playoffs, and I also believe, um, and I've tweeted this out, you do not want to face them if you're one of those really good teams because now that they have found the ability to score, if they can score enough, they will consistently be able to set up in their half-court defense, and it's real. In the West, seeds five through nine are tied in the loss column. OKC, Denver, Portland, New Orleans, and the Clippers. And then you've got uh, Utah went into the all-star break on that 11-game winning streak. I think Utah is going to get in. Now, the question is, who then does not? I still think that even though New Orleans has won three games heading into the break, I mean, think about their situation. The they lost Boogie, man. I know. Like I know. that that's gonna that's gonna really hinder them down the last twenty. My God, what year games, is this for whatever. Davis? Is this nine? Is this eight? Sixth year. Okay, this is six his years. sixth year. Yeah. So here's the thing, man. You're gonna talk about six years, one playoff appearance if we say he's getting knocked out. Oy. Mm. Golly. Kevin Garnett said recently at I think it was before or after Paul Pierce's jersey retirement, he said No, Pierce said Garnett said that his only regret was not leaving Minnesota five years sooner. And with Anthony Davis, I wonder if that could be the same thing, right? I mean, this this legendary level player oh. know, stuck in a losing situation. Seriously. And I, I mean, you got to look at that. I mean, it's malpractice what they've done there in terms of building around him. When you are, you hit the lottery, literally hit the lottery with him. And, if you're going to talk about they're, they're not going to make the playoffs this year and that'd be six straight or that'd be six years. One time they made it and they got swept right in the first round against the Warriors, which, by the way, if you go back and look, his one playoff appearance, the guy was freaking amazing against the Warriors. It wasn't his fault. And I can't imagine that there has ever been a better player that did not that only played in the playoffs once in their first six years. There's just no way. There's nobody, there's no way, like, there's nobody that's been that good. Oh, and especially a guy who came in right away and was yes. really good. I mean, there's some guys you, you could look at and say, oh, yeah, they they, they had, were slow to develop, but he was, his second year, he was a, a Hall, all-star level player. All right, I think Denver, I like the Devin Harris move. They're going to get Millsap back. They've obviously been very good at home. I think Devin oh, Harris is really going to move the needle. <laughs> I actually think that you are being extremely flippant. But he Ooh. will help because how many I, I can't tell you how many times I've watched their games and thought to myself, they just need somebody to settle these For guys sure. down. For sure. They've got, and it's not necessarily about it being Devin Harris. It's about that role sure. that they don't have because the ball ends yep. up in Will Barton's hands or Gary Harris's hands or Jamal Murray's hands. And yep. they're not guys that get an easy shot for somebody else if it's not there for them. And I do think that just that 
You know, somebody no that can just run the pick and roll and kick it out to an open shooter is going to be extremely helpful for them. How dare you be so flippant? I, I was being flippant, but I agree with you. You know, I, I guess I, I guess I, I guess that was me. That means I was being more sarcastic. But but yeah, you're right. He he's a stabilizer. That's the way I look at him. Coming off that bench, they have multiple ball handlers, but now they have a guy who can stabilize. I think you're going to see him in at the end of games a lot. All right, so we we agree on Oklahoma City and Denver. I think. That both of them are going to be there. Yeah. So now, sure. so, okay. So if we say Utah's getting in, I say Utah's getting in. There's two that got to get kicked out. We agree on New Orleans. So Portland or the Clippers? Who? Who do you believe in more, Portland or the Clippers? Portland, just because they have better players. And you still have to worry about injury, right? Regarding the Clippers. Yes. I mean, Daniel Absolutely. Gallinari has now played a couple of games, right? Yes. Okay, so we, we're big on that Utah team, and I do think that they are, honestly, like, I mean, once you get past Oklahoma City, like, if we're saying the top five is going to be San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Minnesota, uh, the, the Rockets, and the Warriors. If we're looking for somebody six through eight that I don't want to face, that Utah's the one. Like, they're, they're the one I don't want to face. But, you know, the, just, the, I mean, the crazy thing is, is three, eight, the Spurs through, 10, the Jazz, is only four and a half games separating. I right. mean, this this could be interchanged anyway. If Kawhi continues to miss a lot of time, Spurs could easily end up like the sixth or the seventh seed. I mean, that, right. that's a possible outcome um, heading into the playoffs. Yeah, I'm just saying, if Utah ends up winning at a, at, a, at a high rate, and let's say that they, let's say Minnesota can end up three, right? And that's six, three, I would not want to face Utah if I'm Minnesota. Oh, by the way, Ricky Rubio's revenge. I didn't even think about that. We need we need to root for that for that to take place. A three, uh, you know, somehow it be a, a Minnesota Utah, um, but that would be uh, in terms of like a top three seed. If I'm if I'm looking down because it's going to be uh, you know very very difficult to knock off the Warriors or the Rockets. But if we're looking at three, and I'm either San Antonio, who's lost to Utah a couple times already. I think all, every time I think they've lost to Utah every time they played them, and then uh, and then the other one Minnesota. Utah is the one I wouldn't want to see. I can't get over the fact that this Kawhi being out the whole season basically is not a bigger story. It's just I can't get over that. He's played nine games. Uh, yeah, nine. Yeah, and it's the mystery around it. I mean, can, I know it. If this happened to any other top five, top ten player, I feel like it would be leading first take every day. What's going on with Kawhi? What are the Spurs doing? Has Craig Greg Popovich lost his touch? This is exactly <laughs> what I was talking about regarding the Duncan thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is a function of the small market. I promise you if Tim Duncan, let's say that all plays out, and Rick Pitino left Kentucky because he he just knew they were going to get Duncan in, in Boston. If Tim Duncan would have played in Boston or Tim Duncan, and you never know how it's all going to go. And of course, he wouldn't have played for Pop. And he w- it, it all would have gone different, but I do think he still would have been an all-time great. If Tim Duncan accomplished what he had accomplished in like New York or Boston, that's who we're talking Like It might be the friggin' ringer this week might be Duncan versus LeBron. <laughs> like, seriously. I really believe that. Go look at the guy's friggin' accomplishments. I mean, it's bananas. And yet he's just, and so the same way, you can just not even be Playing, you can play nine games. I think most list would have Kawhi as a top five player in the league. Isn't that fair? Yeah, most list. Yeah, I, I think most so. Every list. I mean, I mean, you got LeBron, KD, Steph, Harden. Maybe some people would put him there. Some wouldn't. Some put might put Davis. Yeah, I mean, put it this way: he's definitely top ten. He's top five on a lot of people's lists. And the other thing is because they are so good, even without him. Yes, 
even though they've slipped the last couple of weeks or so. And, and I wonder if that continues the, the slide. Yeah, right. Well, you, you never know, know right? The, there's some of these teams, especially the older ones, that just have an eye towards the All-Star break. And then yes. they come back out rejuvenated and look okay. Rudy Gay got hurt as well, and he, he was an That's important true. part. And schedule got tougher, and they had been sitting guys. They had been resting guys. Let me ask you uh, one thing about the Eastern Conference, which is we, we've obviously been high on the Raptors uh, throughout the year. New look Cleveland, we have a small sample size, but they've looked devastating in the mm-hmm. small sample size. The big question is Boston. And I even saw our uh, our boss, Bill Simmons, say he was officially concerned about Boston. The record has obviously not been good over the course of the last six weeks. They have been more of an average team than the team we saw the first whole part of the season. Do you think there's a legitimate reason for concern on Boston? What do you foresee happening with them over the course of the last 25 games? Is there a chance that they are... 19 and 6, 18 and 7 Boston or is there a chance that we're going to look up and they're you know 15 and 10 four, or you know 13 and 12 over the course of the last 25 games. I'd be concerned. Yeah. I, I would be. I, I they they can't score right now. Their defense has slipped. With Marcus Smart being out, their defense has really regressed the past couple weeks. They've had a hard time scoring the ball consistently even before they started losing games. They've been a pretty average team, I would say, maybe the last six or seven weeks or so. But it wasn't until the last two weeks that they've really started losing. Um, they, they were pulling out a lot of fortunate wins. And with them, I mean, in a way, they have kind of been playing like the team I think everybody would have expected after the Gordon Hayward injury. And maybe that's okay. I mean, because they, they, they played so well. Earlier in the season when their rookies, the young players, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, were really excelling. And those guys have kind of hit a wall offensively, which has put more pressure on Kyrie Irving to score the ball. The ball movement hasn't been as good. You know, more isolations because less guys have been threats in the half court. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd be worried. I'd be worried that they're not that they're going to well, kind of crawl into the playoffs. But they, 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 it's still going to be interesting to see what happens when Marcus Smart gets back, when Greg Monroe is really in the fold of the rotation it, they could be better, but I am certainly concerned about their offense. Yeah, and there's and here's the thing, it, you know, it obviously stands out in everybody's mind that Cleveland, who had not even played a game together yet, just absolutely mutilated them on their home court on that Sunday afternoon game. That was I mean, those else. those stand out. You know what I mean? So right now, obviously, it is hard to foresee a circumstance where, and and again, we we now have a real head start with only 25 games left, where. The Rockets don't play the Warriors. It is hard to foresee a circumstance where the Cavaliers, at least to me, in my mind's eye, aren't there in the East Finals. If we're just talking about the East Finals, it's hard for me to think that LeBron would get knocked out before that. And so if you get him in the East Finals, I think you do have a real question at who the other team could be. Because I think for a long time, we thought Boston has really got a head start on there. And I think right now, as of today, I think I'd lead Toronto as the team that plays them in the finals, right? I'm with you. Uh, I had a conversation with a handful of writers the other night, and Ramona Shelburne took down like some of our like predictions from the All-Star break, and, and I gave Toronto and Cleveland for the Eastern Conference Finals and then Golden State and Houston for the West. Uh, I think I think Toronto's got the, the best team in the East right now. I mean, Cleveland could become the best team in the East if they sustain you know, what they were doing prior to the break, but right now Toronto is the best team in the, in, in the East with team record, 
but also just with their roster. I mean, they are deep and they are versatile in oh. their style of play. Uh, Dwayne Casey deserves a hell of a lot of credit, and the play and the players do as well for adapting to that you know new style of better ball movement, more shooting, and they're defending extremely well on the other end of the floor too. They're they're built to be a very strong playoff team. I think you're right because as as the, as the playoffs go on, right, that depth is extremely helpful and. And here's the thing. It's not like if you're Dwayne Casey, you've got to just shorten up your lineup when it comes playoff time. You're still going to be able to run that out there. It's not abnormal for their bench to come off and get you 40 or 50 points in a game. Some of these teams might get six off their bench. Like, seriously. Like, you know, Oklahoma City and Minnesota, we may get to the playoffs and they have games where they have eight bench points. Or, you know, if they're not scoring they can still help you hold leads because they're oh, also sure. good defensive players, you know, all coming off their bench. No, that's the thing, right? Like they, they are Golden State's first iterations were like this. It's not like that anymore. No. You remember those first that first iteration of the Golden State team? It was like I always felt like, all right, they're gonna take these guys out of the game. They're gonna take Steph Clay and, and, and Draymond out of the game. But then like you'd look up and friggin' Iguodala and Barbosa would score you know, 16 points in the next four minutes, and they would actually, they they are the ones that would destroy you and then put the game out of range. And I kind of feel that way with Toronto. It's not just like hold down the fort. Sometimes they come in and Casey just ends up sticking with them to close out games. For sure. Because they're so good. I think with Toronto, a lot of the conversation is, well, what about in the past? How, you know, every year in the playoffs, they've declined, you know, they, they right. turn into iso ball and that's it. Sure, you're right. I mean, that that's true. But I think this year's team is just flat out different to the point that I don't even think it's worth looking at those past teams as much because the no. system the system is drastically different and the team is better. Look at us agreeing so much on oh Toronto. This is this is weird. You went to All Star Weekend. You you one time at Jimmy Goldstein's house, and all of a sudden you get soft. All of a sudden you just start, you know. But I, their their depth hey is man, for real. I've liked Toronto ever yeah. since I saw them moving the ball and shooting threes. I was like, this is beautiful. This is a dream come true. Ever since they didn't listen to you and blow it up, hey, you have. <laughs> I suggested <laughs> blow it up if they come into this season. It's the same old, same old. And it's not, man. It's, it's not. glorious. It's beautiful. No, they to watch. are. They're really good. It feels so good to watch this You know team. very well. You know very, <laughs> you know very well. When you get to the playoff time, it's going to be like, like Russell Westbrook and Jimmy Butler, they're going to play 42 minutes, and the six minutes they don't can get those teams beat. I, like, I, seriously. I, I can't even lie. You know, anytime I see Masai Ujiri, Raptors general manager, like I saw, I walked by him at basketball on the borders the other day, and I'm just in my head, I'm thinking, blow it up. <laughs> 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 like, that's the thought going through my mind, just because, yeah. It, Cooler heads. Thank yeah. goodness Masai Ujiri does not listen to you. Yeah. Or me, well, or anybody for that matter. Well, may, <laughs> you guys are smart who, guys. Who knows? Maybe he was thinking about it, but oh, then yeah. but then the team came back. OG Ananobi was a hit. The, yes. the system changed, and now it's beautiful to watch. Now it's so and, much and now, of this. And, yeah, so much of this stuff is 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 fortune, right? Yeah, I'm sure he did, and yeah, I'm sure there's deals course. that weren't made, and there's draft yeah. picks that weren't made, and you know that is one thing that sometimes get lost in all this, which is there is so much luck to being yes whatever you are, yeah. a tremendous amount of luck. I couldn't help but think about that when I was watching All Star Weekend and thinking, there's 12 guys. 12 that passed on Donovan Mitchell. 12. 12. You know what I mean? 
And you could go back in time. And if we redid the draft, obviously those 12 wouldn't miss on it. But that happened. And what if they aren't traded the pick? I mean, you, you think about all the what ifs about all these different teams and you realize how much luck is really involved in all of it. Kevin, Tuesdays are my favorite. I can't wait to talk to you next week. Thanks, brother. Me too, Chris. Have a good rest of the week. It's going to do it for the Ringer NBA show today. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes and we will talk to you next week. Peace.